Is good, amen. So, um, for all of you, any of you who don't know me, my name is Joseph, and um, I've been youth band leader for almost a year now, uh, approaching about a month, I guess. Time flies, but um, it's pretty cool. When we first started, um, it was really, really small. There wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of like desire. There wasn't a lot of people putting like the time to do it, so it and it slowly started to grow. And then when Andy and Cindy came along, which was an absolute godsend, we just started having like an overflow of people wanting to join. And so we had a bunch of people come to the band, and it just started really coming together. And it was frustrating at first because you I, I wasn't seeing the pieces fall into place, but it was really cool because as you know God moved, the piece, pieces fell into place. It was like a puzzle, and it just really came together. So um, for any of you who didn't know, back in May. Um, my guitar broke, so, um, <laughs> so, so basically, um, well, I guess the temptation would have been to be mad at the person who broke it, but, um, <laughs> but it was really weird. I'm a very animated person, anyway, of you who know me, so I get upset easily. But it was weird because this is one of the few situations that I was like, I really just wasn't upset. I couldn't find a reason to be upset. So, I was praying about it, and God was just giving me this real peace about it. But I mean, you. You know, when you think of a guitar, they're not cheap things. So, you know, the, the devil will try to, and I think this is in multiple places of any, anyone's life, they're just going to try to make a situation seem really big. But I just, it was weird because throughout the whole entire situation, there was so much peace with it. So, as weird as this sounded, I decided to sound a GoFundMe, start a GoFundMe page. So... <laughs> That was a little bit weird, but I was getting money from that, and we were praying, and it was really cool because the biggest thing about this was is this past summer has been such a, I just feel like God has really just been pouring into my life, and I know a specific person, Jabez, so you want to stand. Um, it's really cool because I feel like this testimony really applies to him the most because this past year I got, God graciously was allowed me to purchase a car, and Jabez would get in my other car and be like, God, give Joseph a new car. And I mean, I'm sitting there going, okay, I mean, you know, he, great job, Jabez. But I, I wasn't as faithful as he was. But every time he got in my car, he prayed, God, give Joseph a car. And it was the same way with the guitar. And so um, I think, you know, it was three months into starting the page, and I'd raised, you know, an, a decent amount of money. I was very happy with it, but it wasn't enough. And I, you know, I, I think that my flesh would have been like, oh, let's rush into it. So I started looking at guitars. And I was looking at, you know, they were nice guitars, but... I, I felt like God was like, I want to give you more, but I'm like, I mean, I'm looking at my funds, I'm like, that's not happening right now. So, so um, about, it was really cool because Josh Radford came and spoke, I think it was the first time, and it was that night, he said, I feel like this applies to someone in the crowd. He said, I feel like God is going to replenish the years the locusts have eaten and is going to do some great things in your life. And I felt like that night, when he laid hands on me, I really felt like that, that had applied to me. So I'm, the next day, which was actually the, he was going to speak on a Monday night, and it was that Monday morning. I was in my sister's greenhouse picking strawberries, and I get a text from Pastor David, and he's like, yeah, I, um, someone decided that they would like to put a down payment on your guitar. And so my initial thought was, oh, that's really awesome. Like, I was really excited. And I started, I was just in shock. And then um, I ended up finding out how much it was, and I was like, I, like, I was moved to tears. It was pretty awesome, guys. Um, and I just started thinking about how every single person who had given money or prayed, it was just starting to come into being. And there were so many people I know who prayed for me to get one new one. There was also lots of people who gave um, money. And I just, I would like to say big thanks to the people who did pray and give money and anyone who was just standing beside me through that. And it's really cool testimony of what God has done. And I know there was just one verse that I had this morning. And it's uh, 1 John 3 verse 1. It says, oh, how the Father, great the love the see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And I just really feel like this applies to anyone here today. It's just a real testimony on how God works things because the guitar over there would not have been possible without the prayers 
um, that we partake, per, that we partook in. <laughs> so I would just like to say a really big thank you, especially to the people who prayed, but also to the people who gave. It means the world to me, and I know that like I was saying to someone, you know, I can dedicate this guitar to singing praise and worship just how good God is. Um, and I just, it's a huge testimony in my faith, and I hope it's a huge testimony in many people's faith. God can take a really big situation and just make it seem like nothing. And it's happened twice to me this year, so it's really cool, especially in the season of Thanksgiving. I can't help but be like, look back and be like, it's just amazing what God has done the past couple of months. And so thank you to everyone who prayed and gave, and I just, it, it means a whole bunch. So thank you. But look in Ezekiel chapter 8. I want you to see this. How many of you noticed sin is being uncovered today? Things that many thought were hidden somewhere in the closets are being exposed, being opened up for the world to see. Now I know, and you know, there is the accuser of the brethren. That's the balance of this thing. We know the accuser is, this is one of the end of the age battles. The accuser of the brethren will accuse you day and night before God. And so this is an end of an age thing. We've got to overcome by the blood, by the word, and we love not our life unto death. You ever had somebody quote that verse and they forgot the last part? They tell you, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I'm the one that says, end, end, end. Read it. Read the rest of the story. Read the book. It's in there. End. We overcome because we love not our lives unto death. And you know, I like, I've always been that kind. I was in seminary, and they would skip over some of the parts on healing. And I didn't like it. I just, I'd begin, I'd be squirming in my seat. What about, wait a minute, what, you just skipped a verse. Why did you skip that verse? Well, that's not for today. Who said it's not for today? You know, I mean, I, I wasn't that bad, but a lot of the stuff I thought. Some stuff I spoke, but you know, sometimes you think it. You might as well, because I'm looking at him, thinking this stuff. What do you mean, not for today? Who said it's not for today? It's in the book. Why, why did he put it in there? You know what I'm talking about. That's just the way it was for me. I don't know. God made me that way. It's just, that's just the way it's been. But look at this. You need to see this. Can I tell you it's going to get worse? It's going to happen in the church. I thought it was supposed to happen in the church first. Judgment begins at the house of God. It's going to. Be in the house of the Lord. Probably, I'm just saying, God, get on with this stuff. Because he's doing it for a purpose. And, but look in Ezekiel chapter 8. In verse 3, Ezekiel has this incredible vision. He's lifted up between earth and heaven. And he brought me, in verse 3, in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate, where the seat of the image of jealousy was. Now, which provokes to jealousy. Now, does this, I mean, this is God. But is God a jealous God as in some insecure way? He's not insecure, but He's a jealous God. He wants our whole heart. Why? Because He wants to give Himself holy to us. This is a holy to Him, holy to us thing. How I many of you know that? So He is, He's jealous for us. And He goes on and talks about verse 5. Then He said to me, uh, Son of man, lift up your eyes. Now toward the north I lifted up my eyes, and there was the image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said, Son of man, do you see what they're doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. And that's what happens. Sin drives God away, right? Your sin is withheld good from you, the Scripture says. And so we know that there's a way to repentance, but he goes on. And he talks about the great Son of Man, verse 6. Do you see these great abominations? Now turn again and you will see even greater, which I believe they're going to be greater. So he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. You ever seen a hole in the wall, you know, and you see eyes in the... That's bad. You know, it depends on where you are. That's really bad. If some, You know what I'm talking about. There's a hole in the wall. And so Ezekiel, you know, looks at this. And uh, then the Lord tells him to go and dig into the wall. So he digs in the wall, and there's a door. In verse 9, and he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they're doing there. Verse 10, so I went in, and I saw, and there was every sort of creeping thing. And boy, that's been happening, hasn't it? We've seen a lot of creeps. I'm telling you, you know. 
sexual perverts, things going on. And uh, we knew that kind of stuff's happening behind closed doors. God's bringing it out. And then turn again and say, you'll, you'll see even greater abominations. And so I'm just telling you, God is up to this. Now, why is he doing this? Why is God exposing? Why in the world would he uncover what men and women thought they covered? Why do you think? Well, now let's think about it. Some of you already know. But, you know, he is, we know, dividing the wicked from the righteous, the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares, the left from the right, from those who serve him, from those who don't serve him, from the wicked from the just. And, you know, all of those different ways. He is doing that. No question. You know, God is, is dividing. He's, he's bringing, you know, you do, you're for him or you're against him. How many of you know that? These folks that thought they were in the middle, it ain't going to happen. Not on his watch. And this is the Lord's watch that we're in right now. And so he's, he's, you're going to be on one side of, or the other. You're either going to be for him or against him. You're going to be in Christ or part of the Antichrist, right? You guys with me, you better say amen. Because I don't want to go to sleep. I'm really, that's why I'm trying to. Yeah, it was a crazy night. You ever had a crazy night? Anybody else ever had a crazy night? You wonder where you're going to get through it. You wonder, maybe I could just get up and fall off somewhere, you know. And, and you, I mean, I'm just being honest. You, you ever been there? Because nights can get really long. You can't sleep. You close your eyes. You, you rebuke everything you know to rebuke. And you look up and two minutes have passed by. You know what I mean? And, and this is the longest night in history. What is this crazy thing going on here? And then I started getting excited toward the morning. So God must be doing something today. This is going to be an unusual day. I'll go through whatever to see the glory of God break out on the earth. Who cares what I have to go through? I'm all for it. I'm signed up, sealed, and delivered. I want to see His name exalted. I want to see the Son of Man lifted up. And I want to see a great net filled with fish. And I ain't giving up until I do. Amen. Well, I'm just, that's just the way we should have that. We got that in our DNA. It's in our DNA. It's something God's put in there. You're not quitting. This is not for plan B. I, one time I told the Lord, I said, Lord, there will never be a plan B in my life. And he's held me to it because, you know, plan A is hard. How many of you know? It's hard. It's hard. Hard. Difficult. We talked about that last week. Let's get out of last week. Okay, so why else would he do that? I tell you why. Because he loves people. He's a merciful God. Love covers sin and pride covers sin, but God's love will cover a multitude of sin. He wants to expose it so it comes out in the open so that men might be saved, that men might be forgiven. And the, and the answer is repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Now, thinking about forgiveness... First of all, it's not those guys that are getting caught. All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And the wages of sin just happens to be what? Death. Period. For nations, for... for I don't care. The, na the wages of sin is death and it's not going to be changed. You can read this later. But Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 says, The bed is undefiled and something... But adulterers and fornicators, God will judge. Remember that? I think I've got it pretty well quoted. God's going to judge. It would be better if God judged now and revealed those things that are hidden in us rather than us stand before Him with those things still in our life. How many of you know that? Okay, this makes sense. You guys better help. You've got to help. And then we know another reason forgiveness is it's eternal life. You know, uh, but there's something else I read this week um, from Oswald Chambers. He was my utmost for his highest. How many of you read that devotion? I still read it after all these years. But he said, he reminded us, he said, beware of promoting the forgiveness of God because God loves us or because God is a father. That's not why he forgives us. How many of you know that? He doesn't forgive us. Now, this is entered in the American church. He forgives you because he's a father, a good father. And I like that song. I'm not, this is not a knock against the song. And he forgives you because he loves you. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. That's not why He forgives us. He forgives us. Why? Because Christ died for us. He went to the cross. It's the only reason. Someone had to die. The wages of sin is death. Either we're going to take it upon ourselves and die and, and miss heaven, or we're going to let Him die, put our trust in Him. But Jesus had to die on the cross. The cross... The, the, one of the reasons the church is so impotent today is because we've neglected the cross. It's the cross. He had to die. And that's the reason that God forgives. It's the great tragedy of God is that His Son, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. He went to the cross. Hebrews 2.14, that through death, Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And God wants to proclaim the truth of the cross again. So that means everybody that's doing all this wicked stuff behind closed doors, even Harvey Weinstein, I don't even know, how do you pronounce it? He can be forgiven because Jesus died for Harvey. But you've got to go God's way. And that's through his son. That's through repentance, through acceptance and belief and yielding to Him. Well, amen. That's okay. That's off my soapbox. Now I can preach. I really turned me on when I saw that because I saw it in a different way. Because I know that message is alive and well in America. Oh, God loves you. He loves you. He'll forgive you. Yes, He will. He, because He died, He sent His Son to die for you. You need to hear that. We have to proclaim, if we leave that part of the message out, oh, we got this loving God just accepting. No, 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 no. It was so horrible that he sent his son to die and give up his life. He died that we might live and be forgiven. So anyway, we're going to keep preaching that till we're blue in the face. Now look with me. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to try to be good this morning. I really am. And so anyway, try to come next Saturday. If you want to, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, if you don't need this kind of stuff, if you don't want to be prepared for the times, don't come. But uh, if you know there are storms and you want to be one that is helping and ready and being able to, to help others rather than run and stand in the line to get help yourself, then come. It's just a word of advice. Nine o'clock next Saturday morning for Chuck Reber. It is pretty cool that he's from Hurricane West Virginia. Great place to be from. Because, you know, you're going to help in hurricanes. And he's done all that. He's been to all these places. He's a, I don't know, a tremendous man. I just appreciate God connecting me with the people he wants to connect me with. You know, I don't take this stuff lightly. I say, God, keep me from those that I don't need to be connected with. But draw me, Lord. Help me to know those. Those divine connections. And I felt that with Chuck. He's a... I just like him. He's, he's like me. He came out of the Baptist circles and got filled with the Holy Ghost. He got kicked out of his denomination. You like I, you know, I didn't really get kicked out. I just left. I left before they kicked me out. Although they would have, yeah, they would have, in um, in Mississippi, when that move of God broke out. I'll never forget. I got. I'm going to get off course for just a moment, but I'll never forget the time this lady in our church started speaking in tongues. And I'm in a Baptist church. And, and I thought, uh-oh, Holy Ghost, you're supposed to come, but I don't know about this. And anyway, I was wondering, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Should I go quietly ask her to leave the room? He said, do nothing. You do nothing. It's like that time when Shirley, we're praying in that little time of revival we had, and we're praying in a circle. We're praying, Holy Spirit, come. We pray tonight. God, send us. That was a night I think we prayed for 276 people to be saved. God, we pray 276 people, whatever it was. And Shirley falls out in the spirit, in the circle, in the choir room. I said, Shirley, what are you doing? You don't do that. What do you think? What is this? Are you crazy? You know what I mean? It was really, that's yeah, a no-no. You know, it was really wild. I didn't know how I got in. Oh, I know. It's a Chuck. So anyway, I can identify with Chuck Reber. I like him. Well, Hebrews chapter 11. This Monday night, last Monday night, I went to Washington to pray for a family, to pray for their son. And their son passed away. He died about, was I maybe, I don't know, 
20 minutes outside of D.C. was in Fairfax, somewhere in that area. And then so we go, we prayed, we did all we did. This family, this is the third son they've lost, their last son. They lost, they have this strange disease. I've never heard of it. I can't pronounce it. But um, the first son died at age 22. The second son died at age 29. Thomas, who you've seen him, he's been around before. He died. He made it to age 48. They lost all three sons. And I was thinking, God, this is too much. I, how could anybody lose three sons? Now they have no children. And there was great heartache. But I heard the Lord whisper that this family has a testimony of faith. They had, they're pleasing in my sight. And because I know some people who would say, well, you know, you must have not had faith. But that's not necessarily what the Scripture says. Look with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. And that's where I'm going to get some points from for about Noah. And we'll move on and then we'll go have leftover. No, I'm tired of turkey. We're going somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, the turkey was good, but, you know, let's go do something else. Since I got Emily and Isaac with us anyway. Look in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. After they were encircled. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. She'd received the, the promise and the peace. Or the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of the weakness were made strong. Became Valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And then others. Say others. Uh, you guys, have, you remember the rest of the story. Others did not receive. They were tormented. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Stone were tempted, sawn in two, destitute, afflicted, tormented. And all of these things. But verse 39, all, even the others, all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Say good testimony. Through faith. You know, there was a time when they thought Jesus had failed. That's why it's the great tragedy of God. His son had been crucified. In fact, remember the guys on the road to Emmaus. They thought all hope had been lost. I mean, did you not hear the one that we had believed would be the deliverer of salvation and all of this. But he, his, what looked like a defeat was the greatest victory. How many of you can say that in your own life? There are times when you had a defeat, but God used it for one of your greatest victories. I remember that, God speaking that to me. And I've seen it come to pass. What we think is a defeat, God can turn it around for good. The devil means it for evil. So I want to look at just some aspects of faith, and I'll just touch on it, but out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse, beginning with verse 5, the, the faith of Noah. And that's going to be important. Before I read that, it's really important. Remember, in Hebrews chapter 6, we see that faith in God is one of the elementary principles of salvation. You know, the principles of faith. Have faith in God, repentance from dead works. These things have to be established in order that we go on. And we can't go on. Many people aren't going on because they don't even have the first things established. So that's why we're doing this on Thursday nights. We've invited whoever. And I've asked our, our staff in particular. We're going over those foundational principles so that we can go on. And we'll use that. To, in, in discipleship in the days to come for new believers. But so, it's a foundational principle. Well, at the end of the age, remember what Jesus said about it. He said, when I return, will I find what? Faith on the earth. So that's a, it's a foundational principle, yet at the end of the age, it's going to be the, one of the big questions that the Lord asks. Will I find faith on the earth? And so there's some aspects of faith that I wanted just to point out. And the first thing is, is well, let me, let me back up. In other words, faith is going to come under assault. There, our faith will be tested. How many of you know that? It'll be challenged. There'll be those who will deny the faith. There will be those who will depart. They will leave the faith. The Scripture all talks about this. 
You know, there'll be enemies of the faith. That's why we have to defend the faith. False doctrine will capture people and lure them away from the truth. They're thinking all the time they're still in the truth. Now, that's scriptural. Even the elect, if possible, it will be deceived. And Jesus said the first thing. He said, be, beware, be heed that no one deceives you. It's the number one evidence that we're living at the end of the age, plus all these other things that are happening on the earth. But we want to, we want to endure. We want to make it. We want to be those that he, at the end, he, he says, will I find faith on the earth? And he's going to look at us and say, there it is. There's some faith. I found it. I found it. Amen. How many of you want to be there? I want to be one. Lord, here am I. I've got faith. I endured the false doctrines, the false prophets, the uh, deluded, departing things of the world. God, thank you. He that endures to the end. You know what I'm talking about. We've all covered these kind of things in the past. So anyway, just the kind of faith that pleases God. Enoch, before we get to Noah, it's interesting that Enoch, you know, it said before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God. And so, in other words, for us to arrive at the, the, the finishing line, we must have been said of us that we pleased God. For without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So anyway, here are some things about Noah's faith. First of all, Noah lived by his faith. He possessed it. He had, you know, most of you know that in verse 1, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And so we know that it means a title deed. That word is the realization. Faith is the realization of things that we hope for. We didn't see them, but it's as if we had the title deed for them before we ever saw it. Faith, man, it's mine. It's not faith in something. It's faith in someone it's faith in Jesus. The just shall live by faith. Can you imagine Noah for 120 years, all this stuff, people mocking him, laughing him, ridiculing him. You know, what do you mean building this ark in the middle? It hadn't even rained. This is ridiculous, Noah. Who are you? And, uh, but he endured. He had it. He had the title deed. He had the title deed. It was faith. And, and we saw that it, even in the Old Testament, it was their righteousness. They still had faith. It was made real in the new. But there are types of faith. There's faith in Jesus. That's saving faith, right? Then there's the faith of Jesus. How many of you know that's true? Look, let me show you this. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14. I was going to skip this, but I can't because we have to see it. And then we'll go back. But Revelation chapter 14 is a very interesting time on the earth. It's at a time when judgments are unfolding in the earth. In verse 7, they say with a loud voice, Fear God, give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. And then it talks about how Babylon is falling. But it's interesting, when the judgment comes, the instruction is, number one, fear God. Fear God. You'll either fear man, fear the devil, or you'll have a holy fear of God. How many of you want the third? The third door. Don't go in the fear of man. The fear of man will carry you around like a hook. You'll be in bondage to what other people think. I'm so glad that got broken off my life. But it wasn't always, you know, there were times you want people to accept you and love you. You know what I mean? It's just kind of natural. But you don't want to get into the fear of what others think. Because you're not going to be standing before that other when you stand before God. You stand before God and give an account to Him. And so He wants to break the fear of man and then also the fear of the devil. We don't want to fear the devil. There's going to be a day we're going to look back and say, Do you mean this is the little scrony? This is the one that deceived the nations? Are you kidding me? in comparison to the greatness of God. So we fear God. We fear God. We don't fear the man. We don't fear devil. We fear God. Then it says, give Him glory in the midst of the judgments. When judgments accelerate, we're going to continue on giving Him glory. Hallelujah. Praise Your name. Glory to You, God. 
Hallelujah. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We give Him glory. We, don't, we never stop. And then we worship Him. We worship. Now, what's going to happen if you... You can read all this later on, but there are two directions of which you can worship. You'll either worship God or you're going to worship the beast. And that's what we see in verse 9, 10, and 11. And those who worship the beast and they receive the mark, they're damned. Is that what it says? They're going to be judged. The smoke of their torment ascend forever and ever. They're going to be, this is all going to be real. And so we got to learn about this stuff. we got to know what the Bible says. We don't want to be those who are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We want to know what the Bible says. You know, some, I've heard people, I've heard someone say that people say, I ain't heard this, but I believe what they said that people said. They said, well, when the mark of the beast shows up and I accidentally receive it, God will know my heart. No, he won't. He won't know your heart. No, this is the, this is the standard. So we want to know about this stuff. There's stuff coming down the pike right now we need to know about. This is, getting, this is a great time to live. I don't know. Have you ever thought, are you really living at the end of the age? I'm always, I'm thinking that. I, from a little boy, I felt like, God, what if this really was the end of the age? And in my opinion, it is. And now I could be wrong because they all thought that. You know what I mean? And I could be totally wrong, blown totally but then again, I could be totally right. And I know one thing, we need to be ready. And so we'll study this in times in the future. We don't want to receive the mark of the beast. Say, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. You say, well, God will know my heart. No, he won't. The Bible says you will be damned. And it goes on. Well, we, we'll get into all that stuff at some point. But anyway, why did I even get to this chapter? Oh, because here's what you're going to need. Look at verse 12. This is what you're going to need. We're going to need. Here is the patience or the endurance of the saints. In living in this time, here are those who keep the commandments of God. It's going to be known. Are you one that keep his commandments? Are you one that hear, but you're not a doer? That will be known. And the faith of Jesus. So we have faith in Jesus, but we're going to need the faith of Jesus. Does that mean, you know what I'm talking about. We're going to need a supernatural. We're going to need Jesus living through us, his kind of faith, to make it in these days. And guess what? He wants to give us that kind of faith. Then there's mountain-moving faith. There's the gift of faith that we need for special moments, special tasks, special assignments. That gift of faith, that unction that enables you to see the supernatural. So anyway, Noah had faith. So I'm going to move quickly. Secondly, he was divinely warned. He heard from heaven. He heard God. How many of you know that God moves, God guides, God leads, God instructs, God shows, God does this and does that, but he also warns. He warns. This week, yeah, the times are flying by, but it was this week somebody told me. He's a guy that lives down in... Fort Mill. He emailed me. He said, David, I was asking the Lord if I could do a preemptive strike against the devil, the devil, and I want to pray for somebody, intercede for someone, and your face came before me. Now, I've not seen this guy in a long time. I barely know him. Have a lot of respect for him. And anyway, my face, I said, thank you, God. When people tell me stuff like that, my result, I'm usually saying, thank you, God. Thank you for putting me on their heart. God, thank you so much. And he said, he saw, well, I'm not going to go into detail, but he just gave me a warning of an attack that was coming. And since then, I've seen, I think I know what that is, and I'm going to avoid that at all cost. Thank God for the prophetic ministry. Thank God for dreams and visions. Thank God for people that hear from heaven. You remember we talked about that last week, uh, the difficulty, the danger, the imminent disaster when Paul was on the ship. How many of you remember that? And what did they need in the midst of that? Divine intervention. Somebody needed to hear from God, and Paul heard. He had had a visitation from an angel. And he said, men, don't be afraid because an angel of the Lord has shown me we're going to make it. We're not going to perish. Somebody's got to hear from heaven in the midst of the difficult, dangerous, and imminent disasters 
that so many people are facing today. But there are warnings. Psalm 19 says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, more than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Notice what the result of the warning is. Look at the rest of that. And in keeping them, there's great reward. And so God warns so that we will receive what? The reward. So we need to heed the warnings. Some of you had dreams. They were warning dreams. Heed the warning. I'm just telling you, that's, you, you say, well, is that a, there are other places? Remember Mary and Joseph, divinely warned in a dream, don't go there. And they didn't. And then Jesus, he warned. No, this is when he said, who warned you? And he was speaking to those. You know, there was no repentance. They wanted Abraham as their father, but there's no repentance of a lifestyle. And he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, remember that. So they're warnings. Warnings lead to repentance. God is warning America right now. They're, he's warning a lot of people. He's waking them up. He's exposing their sin so they'll turn to him and receive forgiveness. There's hope. I'll tell you a story. This is not getting off track because this happened. When I was in Waco, Texas, it was part of my journey. I was in my 20s. I was a big-time evangelist. I preached once or twice a year. You know, but anyway, no, God sent me there because at this church, it was a spirit-filled Baptist church, and I'd not been around that, you know, and so I would go, oh, I so loved, loved going to church because they would worship God with their hands, and man, my tears, tears would roll down my face. It was incredible, that time and season, and I was in school, really, the school of the spirit-filled church, you know, and, and I was learning things I never knew before. I probably learned way more in that year and a half than I did in seminary and all that, you know, before all that stuff. So anyway, I'll never forget the day, sitting in the back, and the pastor stands up, and I loved him. He had a great reputation, known in many places. He stood up and confessed sin, and it was a horrible thing. And I'll never forget my heart. First time you're, you see something like that, my heart just cr was crushed. I just, oh, how could this be? You, you, you. And then we found out the story. He had been crying out to God. He wanted to be free. He was in bondage. He's just a man. He was in bondage. And he was crying out, oh, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God, set me free from this evil. And God exposed him. And it set him free. Set him free. It was worth the exposure because he was a heart. His heart was broken and contrite before God. And God had mercy. And then I remember, you know, he resigned and left. And I, it was, God was doing something to me too to realize, hey, these men can fall too. This is, these, these are just men beset with weakness. It's probably a good training ground. But I'll never forget. But then years later on, God began to raise him back up and use him in conferences. We even brought him to Mobile. Later on, when we had a conference, I wanted him to come and share the journey. How could someone fall into such deep sin, perversion? And then, you know, how God delivered him. And right now, there are people in caught in convert, uh, perversion. They're caught. They can't get out. They can't get out. I'm telling you, we just don't condemn them. Take heed lest we fall. Take heed lest you fall. Don't point the finger. Remember, you point one, they, a bunch of them point back toward you. God set them free. We're going to do a series in July. Uh, not July. That's way too long from now. January is coming up very soon called the Conquer Series on pornography. Do you know that, what was it, 60-something percent of men in the church are bound by pornography, they tell us. And over 50% of pastors. That ought not to be. So we're going to do this Conquer series. I'm going to ask every man to come, whether you're in bondage to pornography or not, come for the sake of the others. You come. If you've been free, you know, come and help and support us. So we're going to do this. It'll be, I'll talk more about it. But we've got to get people free. And the freedom comes in the cross, the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died that we would be forgiven. We'd be healed. I'm telling you, the cross is coming back. 
on forefront, on stage in the American church again. It's the cross that had been neglected, substituted, everything for the cross. That's why Paul said, I boast in the cross of Christ. I preach nothing but the cross because it's all found in that. Okay, the warnings. You guys ready to move on? Now, here's another, the third thing, warned of things not yet seen. That's where we live, in the realm of the not yet seen. The faith, that's what faith, we want this kind of faith. Okay, I don't see it. They said it's going to happen. You said it's going to happen, God. That's the highest standard. What you wrote, I haven't seen it. There's a scripture in math in Hebrews that says they didn't see, but we see Jesus. So in the meantime, before you see the fulfillment of your promises, keep your eyes on Jesus and the promises will come in due time. If you faint not, if you faint, they might or might not. If you get up, you know, repent. But God wants us to not faint. He wants us to stand firm. We are those who see things, we speak things that are not yet seen. Even though a move of God, I, I see a great move of God of them in America. We hadn't seen it yet, but I see it. I, I see it. I see it. And people that see with eyes of faith are the ones that will lead the way. And then by faith, Noah moved. You can read all this, and we won't take time, but he moved to build the ark. What if he had just sat there said, Okay, God, I know a great flood is coming, but I have faith in you that you're going to save me when the flood comes, and then he sat down, would he have been saved? He would have died just like the rest of them. And it would have messed up the whole story. <laughs> you know, Noah would not have been one of the heroes. He wouldn't have been a hero. He'd have dud. He didn't get up and move when God said move. And there are times you got to get going. you got to get up. You're waiting for God. God's waiting for you. He's already given you an invitation. To come and follow me. He said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He'll make us what we're called to be. We moved. There are times you got to move, even geographically. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Shirley, but I remember the day in Philippi where, before I told you we were going to move, I heard God like Abraham. I heard, now this is getting away from Noah, but Abraham went to a place that afterward he would receive. You know, and I remember the Lord saying, I'm calling you to go where you don't know you're going. And so we resigned and left. But there was another time, I don't know if I ever told you, I was up praying. Remember, I would go away on my prayer journeys. And I'm praying on the southern part of Birmingham, Alabama. There's, there's a big mountain there. Uh, just, I mean, there really is. It's a pretty nice-sized mountain below Birmingham. And you can get up there, you can see this Birmingham really good. But anyway, I'm on the other side of this park. I can't remember. And God was speaking to me about my inheritance. Because there's a scripture in, in Psalm that says, He will choose your inheritance for you. How many of you know that? You don't have to choose this yourself. If you choose, you're liable to make the wrong choice. There's a way that seems right to man. But so that scripture said, I will choose your inheritance for you. And I remember God was speaking in my heart. And he said, the inheritance that I'm calling you to is north of that mountain. Now, I was still stuck in Mobile. Not stuck. We love living there. But God was saying, your inheritance is north of the mountains surrounding Birmingham. Well, guess where I am today? I'm in north. I don't know if, did I ever tell you that? It was real to me. He said, north of the mountains. Well, I'm north of those mountains. You remember that old movie, North to Alaska? That's way back. I don't know where he's going to lead you. Some of he led you here because he has an inheritance for you. Don't give up on God. The work he began, he'll complete it. He's a good God. He's able to finish the work. Trust him. Keep your eyes on him. We're called at times to go out places where we will afterward will receive the inheritance. And then he moved. Not only he moved, but he moved with godly fear. And we've already talked about that. We're either going to fear man, fear the devil, or have a holy fear of God. The fear of God will not cause you to run from God. Although there may be times of that, because God is so holy, and you just... Well, you get on your face is what you really do. The direction is you get, 
You really, you run to him, but you run down below him. You just get low. That's the real fear of God will cause you to do that. You know, because he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And you realize how unholy we are. But we want to move with godly fear. And uh, fear is not a bad thing. I think fear gets the bad rap sometimes. You remember Jehoshaphat? He had fear. And what did he do? He feared the multitude that was coming against him. And so what he did, he called on God. The bad fear is when you don't call on God, you know. I know that everybody quotes that scripture. Well, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's not what that, the word there is timidity. God's not given us a spirit of timidity. We can call on God with a sound mind. And our fears, because fear, sometimes you fear things, you know, I mean, a loud noise will cause you to fear. You know what I mean? What was that? You know, I mean, I'm trying to think of some examples, but there's a lot of times stuff happens. You just, you're startled. But the fear is to call on him. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And, and Jehoshaphat saw that God was faithful, and he delivered them from the enemy that was coming beyond the sea. And, and then the next thing is Noah, his faith, he prepared. He got ready. We are talking about with Asia. Asia has this incredible vision of uh, some things that God has shown her to help us get out and do the will of God on the streets and in the community, and she'll share that later. But, you know, everybody that's called to follow God is called to prepare. We're called to prepare in some way. Maybe it's just getting in the right place, getting our heart prepared. That's the biggest way, get our house in order. That's the main thing. But there are other ways to prepare for the call of God, to fulfill the call of God on your life. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, you study to show yourself approved unto God. I, you know what I was going to share this morning? I'll do it later because it seemed like God shifted the gear. But the reasons God used D.L. Moody. I'm not going to spoil that now. But there were, re there were substantive reasons why God chose that man and raised him up. And there will be things in us that will point back decisions we made. Choices we made. Because after choices come consequences. Good ones and bad ones. Whatever you reap. Whatever you sow, you'll also reap. And so he prepared the ark. And uh, we want to get in place and prepare. And then the last thing, he, his faith led him not only to prepare the ark, but it was for the purpose of a great salvation that many, well, his family would be saved. For salvation, that his family might be saved. We got a big family. You know that, don't you? It's more than this. I mean, we come together, hopefully. We encourage each other. You know, we stir the gifts. We send people out all the time. But we got a big family, and they're out there. They just don't know it yet. They're the pre-saved, okay? You know, how, come I, how, do you, how can you call them pre-saved? Because I know what God's will is. It says that it is God's will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And if you ask anything according to his will, you know that he hears us. And if you know that he hears us, you know that you have the petition for which you ask. So we can pray for the pre-saved. Amen. We got a big family. But there are going to be people saved because you obeyed God today. I'm just telling you, that's the way it happens. The things you do right now have eternal consequences and eternal rewards. A great inheritance. We're called to inherit a great inheritance of many people coming into the kingdom. And the kingdom being greatly advanced. Does that make sense? It's a little quiet today. Those watching by web stream, we know that, you know, a lot of people are out. But you're not. You're here. You're watching. And God has tagged you. He's purposed to touch your life. He's got a plan, and it has nothing to do, yes, he loves you. That's a, a given fact. Jesus died for you so that you can be forgiven and you can become all that he's, been, he's called you to be. He died and he rose from the dead. Amen. So we want to pray this morning, and then we'll go uh, have leftovers or something. I'm sorry. No, we won't. We're not going to have leftovers. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be silly sometimes. But you know, we're just family here. 
I don't want to be some guy that's performing. I don't want to perform. Yeah, it's, it's no good. We want to encounter God. There are people that are visiting here today. You've come. You didn't hear some, come to hear some guy perform. You came to encounter God. You need God. You need Jesus. You need his power in your life. You need a miracle. You need something to happen that, that changes the whole situation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody like that? You need a big God today. Anybody need a big God? You know, how many need a little God? He's no little God. He's a big God. He's a big God for you. So we're going to pray. And um, I'm going to ask God to stir up gifts of faith. Is that good? Because some of us, are, we're going to be called to do things that are absolutely, totally out of the box, beyond the limit, unbelievable, but not for God. Okay? And others just need to stir that faith in us. So, and then I'll pray, if you're being convicted this morning and you need a Savior, this can be the day of salvation for you. So, maybe I should pray that first, then I'll pray the faith. Because I, I believe someone's under conviction. Maybe someone watching someone in this room. Why don't we just stand? You guys, go ahead and play. And Thank you for coming up. But if you have never met Jesus, if you're not certain that today, would, if today was the last day, your last day on the earth, that you would go to heaven, that you, your sins are forgiven because you put your trust in Jesus and in his shed blood and in his resurrection. If you've never done that and you're not certain right now, the Holy Spirit's convicting you, drawing you. Just pray this, but you got to mean it. It's not just following a man. It's meaning it in your heart. You pray. You call upon the Lord. But just say, dear God, let's all pray it out loud. Dear God, I need you. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died and rose from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need you. I need salvation. And I trust in you today to save me. Forgive me of all my sin. I repent. I change. I turn to you with all my heart. You help me, Lord. But I choose to follow you this day as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that whoever calls on your name will be saved. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Use me in this hour to bring you glory. And I thank you for that, Lord. Anyone that prayed, God, just let it be now. Just seal it. Let them confess it before men. And after, I'm going to ask you to come around the altar and we're going to pray. And you share that with us if you prayed that for the first time.